Well, what is the greatest fear of all people in all places throughout all of time? And if you could overcome that fear, is there anything that could stop you from living truly life the way Jesus talked about living it? On the left side of the screen is Woody Allen. He has written 47 films. His net worth is $80 million. On the right side is Billy Graham. This is years ago. They met and talked on stage. And Woody Allen, an atheist, and has been for basically his whole adult life, he was talking to Billy Graham about this. And Billy Graham said, you know, my faith in Christ brings me happiness. What do you have to lose by investigating faith? Years later, Woody Allen would look back on that conversation with Billy Graham and he would think about what he said and he would say that at that moment, he even himself agreed Billy Graham was right. He wasn't a happy person and he's never been a happy person. Here's a quote from Woody Allen. He said, I have a very grim, pessimistic view of life. I feel it is a grim, painful, nightmarish, meaningless experience. Woody Allen, of course, writes what are known as comedies. What a very, very unhappy person all around. This gentleman here is Ray Comfort. He is an evangelist. He had this to say, doctors will tell you it is not known what causes depression. And here in the context, he's talking about depression, fear, anger, just a sense of unrest. He continues, experts keep insisting depression is a mental disorder. I disagree. We'll come back to what Ray Comfort had to say about that here in just a moment. We're now this side of Easter by a few days, and Easter points us back to the promise that there is one perfect life that Jesus, anybody can say, what would it look like for a person to live a perfect life, a perfect life of peace, of love, a sense of joy, just being able to have the gift of serving without ever having any expectation of what you might receive to just be completely free and no sin of course jesus lived that one perfect life so when we say you know how should i then live we look to him and say let me model him in every way there's a fascinating thing about Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53 written 600 years before Jesus died on Calvary Isaiah 53 is not read by many synagogues and rabbis, and they'll say that that's simply not true, but you can go and do your own investigation and watch videos where certain groups have gone to places like Jerusalem and said to people, read Isaiah 53, and they'll say, I didn't know there was an Isaiah 53. And when they read it, they all say, after reading it, this is clearly talking about the Messiah, written 600 years before Jesus died on Calvary. Everything that we know about what we talk about around Easter and Holy Week is detailed in Isaiah 53. His betrayal by friends, the mocking crowds, pulling his beard, punching him, spitting on him, rejected by his own, being tortured, unjust trial, not speaking before Pilate, and of course then going to Calvary where he would be crucified, that lamb, without sin, to take away the sin of the world. Isaiah 53, a place to stop and say, reading about what that one perfect life, that one then did on our behalf, so that we might be set free 
from the greatest fear of all people, all places, all time. Celebrating, as Matthew 28 triumphantly tells us, the angel said, do not be afraid. I know you're looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He has risen, just as he said. So let's look at a few people well-known in culture, what they've had to say about life, meaning, death. This is Jane Fonda, her net worth, $200 million herself, starring in many movies, television shows. She made the news, though, a few years ago because she wrote an article in which she stated she can't stop crying. Why can't she stop crying? This impending fear of death. Her own, suicide, her own mother committed suicide. She was only 12 years old at the time. Always had this desperate fear of loss. And she said these last few years, she, though worth all this money, has no real peace and continues to, to weep uncontrollably. This is Anthony Hopkins. He starred in 75 plus movies, his net worth $160 million. He's been very open about his own struggles with depression. He said this, we are dying from overthinking, slowly killing ourselves as we think about everything. Think, think, think. You can never trust the human mind anyway. It's a death trap. Contrast these statements, again, going back to Woody Allen and Billy Graham. Years after that, Billy Graham, he was facing health issues and not sure how much longer he had left, made this statement. Do I fear death? No. I look forward to death with great anticipation. I'm looking forward to seeing God face to face. And that can happen at any day quite different. Consider Robin Williams, whom we've talked about many times, because when he took his own life, I was teaching psychology at a local university, and what happened from his own death is something unheard of. Comedy clubs then hired full-time counselors and psychiatrists. Why? Comedians may tell jokes, but many of them are very unhappy, and they looked at Robin Williams as their hero. He was the goal. Popular television shows, popular movies, millions of dollars. Not just that, but he was loved by people all around the world. And these comedians said, look, if he has all of that and he was unhappy, well, how much chance then do do we have? Tony Robbins said it so well. Life is about creating meaning. Meaning does not come from what you get. We're going to see several more people that have gotten what many people call success. And you'll see that they will say themselves, this does not bring meaning. Meaning does not come from what you get. As Robbins continues, it comes from what you give. It comes from what you give. We're looking at something here that's uh, just for the men. You'll get today, you know, an envelope with something that uh, keeps secret. It has a, a certain assignment that you can do. And for the, the wives, if you can allow that secret to remain until we reveal what they're going to do. But it's a chance for the men, the husbands, to be giving, finding and creating that meaning in relationships. A few days ago, my wife and I went to an auction. They were selling a property. It had a house and a stables. We were there to to buy some equipment like a saddle for the horse, but we stayed to watch the auction and they sold the house for $800,000. 
But it was fascinating to watch because I've taken some marketing courses and there's two keys to marketing and it's not right or wrong. It's just the psychology is clear on this. This is why so much money is spent on commercials, billions of dollars spent in research about the psychology of why do people buy things? There's two main keys to marketing. And this auctioneer, he was a master at both. Two keys to marketing. The first one is urgency. That's why sales always say only this weekend. And the second one is scarcity. Scarcity. They always say we only have a certain amount and once they're gone, they're gone. People see this at the holidays when companies put out toys, but not enough. And people always say the same thing. Why didn't the company make more toys? Really, we should ask the question, why do we keep falling for the same thing year in and year out? So at this auction, this man repeated these phrases several times. He was creating urgency. Once this house is gone, he said, it's gone. You only have a few minutes to get in your bid because once the auction's over, you don't get a second chance. He did a great job at creating scarcity. He said many times, you'll never find a property like this again. Now these are not logical statements, but that's the psychology. Urgency and scarcity bypass the logical mind and they go to the emotional part of the brain and that's why people get caught up in buying. Logically, what he said, simply false. When he made the statement, once it's over, and this property's gone, it's gone. Well, that's simply not true. Anybody can recreate that entire property at any time that they wanted to. When he said, there's scarcity, you'll never find another property like this again. I told my wife, you could find a thousand properties just like this one. But he understood very well marketing. Reality though is, we all know it's not in what you get, but we keep falling for this idea over and over and over. A gentleman just uh, very high up in his profession that took years and years and years to get his degree and get a practice up and running said to me one day, I never thought my career after all this work would be like this. He went on to say, I'm bored out of my mind. You see, because life, as we're going to see here, if there's that fear underneath, Everything loses its meaning. Well, what if you could overcome the greatest fear of all people in all places and of all time? This gentleman here, his real name, Prince Rogers Nelson. He went simply by his first name, Prince. Sold a hundred million albums, net worth when he died of an overdose a few years back, $300 million. He himself had lost a child and shortly after that lost both his parents. Here's a quote by Prince. From the beginning of my career, I would go into fits of depression. I would get physically ill. This lady here, Stephanie Germanata, goes by the name, of course, Lady Gaga. 11 million album sales. Net worth an incredible 300 million. Here's what she had to say. I have suffered depression and anxiety my entire life. I still suffer, note her words, every day. I would not encourage young people to take antidepressants or mood stabilizers. Why? Because side effects and also because it has not helped her. Every day, even though she takes medication, she shares herself, she faces 
wrestles with depression. It's not in what you get, it's in what you give. And when you can give from a place of no fear, that's the game changer. Going back to Ray Comfort, who said it like this, 80 out of every 100, that's 80%, who suffer from clinical depression, don't find help with drugs. Many get worse due to side effects. And again, he said, doctors will tell you it is not known what causes depression. Experts keep insisting it is a mental disorder. I disagree. So what causes that depression or that fear, that anxiety, that unrest? He goes on to say this, the reality is every human being has an unshakable dread of death. And because of this, they are a prisoner, a slave to fear. That's not important Ray Comfort's opinion. It's not important my opinion. It's what Scripture says, and that is what he is actually quoting. Is said in Scripture very clearly. Why do people struggle with depression, sadness, unrest? Well, the fear of death. And until you can overcome that, you can't truly be free. Ray Comfort would say himself, he had a breathtaking, terrifying fear of death. When he was young, the terror would freeze him up. Physically, he couldn't move. His parents would have to douse ice water over him to break him out of that state. When he became an adult, he became a public speaker, eventually an evangelist, but he would say he would go speak at a church, go back to the hotel, and just be terrified and have these panic attacks. He tried drugs at one point. Once five friends overdosed and died, he gave up on that. Once he gave his life to Christ, he still didn't understand the gospel message very well. So he had this fear. He decided, I'll get married. Maybe that will help. He said that was the breaking point because then he not only feared his own safety, but now for his new wife that he loved. Somebody shared with him the rest of the gospel message. And he said this, Then God rescued me from the power of that fear of death through the everlasting gospel, gave me eternal life, and now I have joy unspeakable, freedom from fear of death. Again, what is he quoting? Hebrews chapter 2, verse 14 and 15. Christ shared in their our humanity, so that by his death he might break the power of him who holds the power of the death, the power of death, that is the devil. Notice verse 15. He freed those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. All their lives a slave to fear because the fear of death so overwhelming. What would happen if you could overcome the fear that haunts all people in all places at all times until they come to the place and say, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because he lives, all fear is gone. That's the purpose and power and promise of that one perfect life. Died, crucified, rose again, conquering what? Death, hell, 
and the grave, that we might be free of sin, no longer slaves therein, but also free from the fear of death. And when you overcome by His grace, the greatest fear of all people, what then can stop you from accomplishing what God has called you to do in this life? Without that fear any longer, how would you show up differently as a husband, as a wife, a parent, as a friend, as a leader, knowing other people have that same fear and now you don't have it anymore, you can speak life into their lives by saying, let me tell you about Isaiah 53, that one perfect life who conquered death so you don't have to be afraid of it any longer. And you can then be truly free. Revelation chapter 1, verse 17, the Apostle John has this vision And here's what he writes. When I saw Christ, I fell at his feet as though dead. He placed his right hand on me and said, do not be afraid. There's a common theme that runs through this entire gospel story. What does the angel say at the empty tomb? Do not be afraid. He is not here. He is risen. What does Hebrews say? We can be free from our fear of death. What does Jesus tell John? Do not be afraid. Why not be afraid? Jesus continues Revelation 1. I am the first, the last. I am the living one. I was dead. Now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death in Hades. The unrest we see in our world, the unrest we see in our culture, the unrest we see in people's lives, perhaps even in our own, at the heart of that, it's not about a a mental disorder, it's about a fear. The Bible makes clear everybody has the fear of death. And until that fear is gone, nobody can be truly free. And what does the gospel say? Jesus takes away that fear of death because he is alive forevermore and his resurrection is the promise of our eternal life. And again, when you don't have that fear any longer and you can breathe easy, you can love freely and you can give without asking for anything in return, emulating that one perfect life, that's the power of the gospel. No more a slave to sin, no more a slave to the fear of death. How will you, how will I show up from this point forward? I mentioned before the importance of watching the the movie Operation Two Saint. T-O-U-S-S-A-I-N-T by Tim Ballard. Operation Two Saint, Tim Ballard. Formerly in the CIA, he left to start an organization whose sole mission is rescuing children from human trafficking. One day they rescued this boy who was five years old. Five years old at the point he was kidnapped. It was three years later when they found him, eight years old now, 
Rescue team goes in, breaks into the house, rescues this child. Tim is at the front of the team. This child runs up to him, the horror of being held captive for three years. And he said, this child runs up to me, arms up. I scooped him in my arms. He hugged me tight, began to quake and whispered in my ear, I should not be here. He was whisked away to safety and a celebration and reunited with his family. Same story for us. There was a time we were held slaves to sin, slaves to the fear of death. And Christ entered into that darkness. He scooped us up in his arms. He whispered in our ear, you should not be here. Translated us from the darkness and into the light and proclaims to us, live and let your light so shine that your Father in heaven is glorified. Free indeed. In Jesus' name.